This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. But really, success in life is, is really about basically human interaction. And I think they learn so much of that at school just by being in groups and crowd, you know, with their friends and navigating all sorts of situations of conflict and, you know, who's going to go first and what if that kid does that, all that stuff. That's really, really valuable stuff. That's Peter Barnes, learning innovator, grandparent, and my guest today on Central Station. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik. Over the last couple of decades, Peter Barnes has been working with software-based approaches to helping children with learning difficulties. With the pandemic causing a major disruption to what you might call a normal school year, Peter has had the chance to step back and look at how children have coped with an even greater reliance on computers and software in what he calls school at home rather than homeschooling. Being a grandparent has given Peter a privileged perspective as he observes his grandchildren adjusting to the new circumstances. Some things worked well, Others not so well, like dissecting kidneys in the kitchen. But as well as the usual observations you might expect, Peter shares how the young children quickly gave a name to the new situation, Coroni Village, and what kind of associations might have been made through that process. I was just talking to not all of those kids, the two older kids, about um, that time back there when they were doing school at home. And um, was it good? Did they enjoy it? Would they like to do it again? Uh, the answer from those two kids, one high school boy, uh, year eight, and the, the year six girl, both was um, varying degrees of, oh, God, no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the older one. And I said, then I, then I did it a bit more concretely. I said, what would happen if the school said to you, we're going to change things and two, you can have the option of coming to school five days a week, coming to school three days a week and doing two at home or doing it all at home. Um, what would you choose? And the boy says, um, nothing. I'd like to be nothing at home, all at school. Oh, wow. The, yeah, um, the girl, the girl, the uh, year six girl says, yeah, I wouldn't mind a couple of days at home. You know, I don't have to get dressed up, into a, I don't get in the school uniform, you know, yeah. you know but it'd be nice. So it was just interesting. The little kids, I, I haven't asked them that the, um, first year at school and the, the year two girl, but, um, I think both of them would say they'd like some at home because they like their mum, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of that uh, fractional ownership thing as well, as in why do I have to go to school full-time, as in why do I have to go to the building full-time? I mean, mm. this is my home. It means I've got to spend half my life working for something that I'm never in, which is mm. more of an adult perspective, but maybe that seems to be trickling down. I'm interested, how did it get called Coroni and not Corona? Is that just a little kid's thing? <laughs> that was the youngest kid of all. all right. that was a, you know, I think she just came home one day, and I don't know whether she just mis, misinterpreted Corona as Coroni, but then she tagged, <laughs> she tagged village on the end of it, right? And I don't know where she got the village from. I mean, you know, they talk about village a bit because those kids are, you know, they've got an Indian heritage. And, and you know, the, the whole notion of, you know, going back to your village when, Trouble happens is, is a thing that they they do. And Isn't so, that fascinating? Yeah, wow! Yeah. So she may have picked it up from that that notion, you know, that uh, they've locked down. They're in, you know, they're in in their neighbourhood, in their apartment block, you know, in their apartment, um, and it's the village. Could have been that. Wow, that's a fascinating uh, observation. Uh, or mm. that she would uh, 
make that particular connection because I I don't I mean you're in Sydney right I don't suppose mm. uh, people often think about Sydney as a village um, <laughs> certainly no. not the certainly not the part just outside of their homes you've yeah. made the interesting distinction of homeschooling versus school at home I haven't actually heard that before how did you come to that distinction well I was I, when I was um, thinking about writing this article which I did for my blog about the the, the kids experience these four kids what 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 were they seeing? What were the experiences of this this, this homeschooling, um, which everyone was calling it homeschooling at the time? And then it just didn't sit with me because it, it wasn't, in my mind, homeschooling. Homeschooling is something um, parents deliberately choose to do. Um, they prepare for it. There's all sorts of resources and support groups and all sorts of things about it. And there's a philosophy about homeschooling. This was not a choice. This was forced upon kids in their families, and they had to do their school at home. So I thought a much better um, label for this thing is school at home, right? Because these parents, they, they're not teachers. They don't want to be teachers. They've got no idea about it, uh, but they've been thrust into the role of sort of teachers or at least supervising this education experience. And it was, you know, I just thought it was a much better um, description for what was happening did you discuss that with the parents? Um, no. Well, yes. I, I didn't discuss the label, but um, absolutely the idea of, you know, how do you feel about this thing, parents? And they're going, oh, my God, as soon as this is over, the better. We don't, <laughs> we, we don't like this. Like uh, the older kid's mum, the, the boy had to do some sort of biology thing. He had to dissect a kidney or something. And so the kitchen <laughs> and had this dissected kidney, and she's going, oh, my God, never again. I don't want this thing happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, both parents, you know, working at home, and it was kind of not, no, that wasn't something they wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's the hard part because with parents working at home, and then having to be responsible for teaching, you suddenly realise that it's it's two days in the one, but then it's not one day after the other. It's both at the same time, and they're mm-hmm. two very different headspaces trying to share insight with another person so that they learn or just getting the job done. And I, I would imagine that they would have reported that it was very stressful. Oh, it was really stressful. Very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the older kids, the, the parents said the biggest issue they had was not the actual content of the work, the, the lessons, but actually keeping the kids motivated to participate um, because they were not in their school environment. They were at home. And the the young the parents of the younger two said, um, it was just like um, a bit weird uh, in that they they weren't teaching them anything. They had to try and get them to do stuff, the kids to do stuff. And in the end, the mother there said, "Look, you know, I just said to myself, look, we'll do what we can do. Uh, if, if 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 all the stuff that the kid the school is giving us to do doesn't get done, I'm not going to be bothered about it because there's no point in stressing myself over it because I can't do anything about it, basically." So you're observing this one step removed. So these are your grandchildren, and then you, yes. you're observing the, the parents dealing with the children. One view that I've heard is during this time, it might have been, particularly when students were locked out of school, I mean, we're back at school now, but back then, maybe it would have been a fantastic time for us to say, look, once in a lifetime, once in a generation opportunity to spend more time with our families and just not worry so much about the schoolwork. Now, given where you are at generationally, and you know, I'm not trying to say you're an old man, but 
given where you are generationally, would you look back on that and say, do you know what? Nothing would have been lost from a couple of months from everyone just sort of being at home and saying, isn't it great that we can be a family without all that pressure? Do you think we would have lost or gained something from that? I think if I think if that had been the approach, if that had been how it was framed, that this is an opportunity, I think that would be a much better outcome than what we've got. We were people stressing about, oh, they're missing some school and they're going to be back years and all of this stuff. And my perspective from quite some years distance in this whole thing is, you know, it doesn't matter if they miss a <laughs> term or miss even a year, you know, really. Take, you know, take a take a pill, you people. It's just, <laughs> just not, you know, you've got it all wrong, you know. Uh, yeah, but that, no one framed it that way. And I guess that's probably because the first thing we think about or the, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, my goodness, the economy. Oh, my goodness, the standardized test scores. Oh, no, what's going to happen to the reporting periods, et cetera, et cetera. And in the, I guess the, the privileged position that you have is to be able to look back on that and say, do you know what? In the bigger scheme of things... <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's not such a big deal. No, I, I would absolutely say it's not such a big deal. You know, I mean, people were, you know, there are extreme views saying people, some commentators with extreme points of view saying kids' lives are going to be ruined. It's all over for these kids. They're missing, you know, school and it's just, just terrible. End of the world. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> More from my conversation with Peter in a moment. If you'd like to hear how another learning innovator is tackling some of the other big issues facing Australian education today, check out my conversation with Tony Valance. He's a STEAM educator and winner of a 2019 Australian Education Teacher of the Year Award. For Tony, we can't simply talk about new approaches, we need to facilitate them as well. So we're trying to create students who are creative, critical thinkers, great communicators and great collaborators. Um, but we are teaching them paint by numbers and then expecting fully fledged artists at the end of it. Um, so it really is about breaking down those barriers. And you can find that interview by subscribing to Central Station wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you said you noticed that there was quite some variance in school preparedness to make the switch to school at home or what has been very commonly called remote learning what kind of variance did you notice uh, the speed at which the schools implemented this remote learning uh, the structure of it was different um, um, let me just explain so um, the high school my grandson goes to was very quick off the mark it looked like they were they'd kind of prepared for this in advance it seemed they were so fast off the mark um, the pro then the other the the pro two primary schools the other, other kids went to go to uh, they were they lagged quite some weeks behind getting things organised. Um, different structures, for example, the high school had the kids doing uh, exactly the same timetable every day. It was like everything was just. Here's the school. This is what you do at this time on a Monday and this time on a Tuesday and so on and so forth. And this is the teacher you've got. And they'd everyone would have to come to school. They'd answer the role in the morning and they'd go through this kind of stuff and they'd take their breaks and they'd go out the backyard or wherever it was. Um, so that was that structure. Uh, the year six girl, primary school, they had a different structure where they had two hours every day, the kids all together, all at once, 
on Zoom. Uh, and and my granddaughter really liked that. She enjoyed she seeing her friends and all of that stuff. And then the rest of the time was kind of like almost independent, mm. you know, left to their own devices. Uh, the other school with the two little ones went. Um, they they were pretty good in the sense that because um, it's a bit hard to compare because these are two younger kids compared to older kids, mm. so it would have been different, no doubt. But they were very good in asking for feedback from parents about, you know, what's happening, what's working, what's not working. Same with the, the, the high school. They did that. The, the principal of the high school rang around at least some of the parents. I know because my daughter-in-law got a call from that principal asking, you know, how's it going? What can we do to improve this thing? Make yeah. It better? Yeah. Hmm. So when the, uh, when the kids were working with the parents, getting through what was expected and and you made that comment before where the parents said oh look, look let's just see what we can get through i'm curious did the kids start to express in that independent time that you've just referred to did they then start to say well actually i think i'd like to do this or i think i'd like to do that did it provide an opening for the kids to be able to perhaps take a more uh or, or more ownership in terms of how they wanted to spend that time from what I understand, and I was remote because back then I was locked down at home and I couldn't get in and see what was actually going on. But from what I what I heard, the the younger primary age kids, yes, that was happening to quite some extent that they'd say, no, I don't want to do this now, I want to do this sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, the older kids, because it was much more structured and like at the uh, high school level, it was this is a lesson, this is what's going to happen. So there, was, there wasn't any real opportunity for them to want to go and do stuff. Although... The 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 boy, the year eight boy, basically bombed, f- stopped. He chose to basically bail out of uh, visual arts because it was his <laughs> least favourite subject. <laughs> so he, this he, is he, my he, chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it seemed to start reasonably well. Did it maintain the same level of interest or disinterest, if as the case may be, right throughout that period? Oh, I think um, towards the end of it, they were just longing to get back to what was what was before, you know, being able to get up and go to school, hang out, play with their mates, all of that stuff. Um, the social aspect of the thing was what was missing really big time. I mean, the kids were talking to their friends on on social media and so forth. Even the little kids, um, there's some WhatsApp, some some not WhatsApp, some other kiddie app things, communication apps they managed to find and they were talking to their their friends but just the physical interaction you know you go into a, a school and it's just a racket kids are running around talking mm. to each other and you know you know, you know what it's like mm. and they just they didn't have that and and just that was interesting too because in breaks at um, the elder kids um there'd be a break and you know time to go out morning tea or lunch or whatever and take a take a break go outside the parents were commenting that even the eldest child there, the, the year eight boy, would want them to watch him ride his skateboard, for example. And he would, he, <laughs> he, he would, would never have done that when he was back at school. Yeah. Uh, but because there was no one else around, he had to enlist these adults to participate in that activity. If I can just come back to the idea of uh, this, this, this notion of having lost time through the, through the pandemic, and, and with, without a doubt, there's been a disruption to the way that students have approached their learning. There's been an, uh, a disruption to routine uh, and, to, and to teaching programs. 
given that you have had some experience in your life with working with children who have learning difficulties, and I don't necessarily want to go into the science of that, but I want to draw more on, on your life experience. Just looking back again, where do you think the real problems might be as opposed to what we might have read in the papers in terms of you know standardized test results and so forth? And, and how do we make that time up? And, and, and is, it, is it time that needs to be made up? Um, difficult, good question, difficult to answer. I think it's going to be different for different people, different children, of course. And I don't think we need to make up that time. You know, in the context of a life, a couple of months, a school term or two, whatever it is, is not a big thing. And that's easy for me to say from the perspective of, you know, a a mid-70s person who's been around for a while and done a lot of stuff and, you know, I mean, don't think it matters. Well, yeah, maybe not, but maybe that's exactly the perspective that we need to hear. Maybe the perspective that we hear is too often just slanted so much to the here and now in terms of what's going to happen in the next five years and, and you know what's going to happen to your competitiveness as you um, make a play for a university placement or something like that. But maybe it would be better for us to just kind of spread our uh, perspective out over a, a few decades and think more broadly about what this actually means. So in terms of Coroni Village, the kids are back at school. Is it still Coroni Village out there? <laughs> uh, no, they don't call it that at all anymore. That's just that's just you know that's gone. That's in the past. That was that that's ancient history for these kids, right? <laughs> unless you remind unless you remind them and say, "Would you like to go back there?" <laughs> the answer is no, not really. <laughs> so a fascinating time to to look back and and maybe draw upon some of those experiences, and and then also to think about what what actually is valuable when we're educating young children. It's clearly not just about the curriculum. Um, have any of the children expressed any idea or any uh, preference for some kind of a mixed mode still? I mean, there, there was an earlier comment about, you know, maybe you want to come back two days a week or something like that. Does, does that come up every now and again? They don't talk about that. They, they only responded to my suggestion that might be, you know, if that was an option, what would you think? And, and uh, you know, I got a bite sort of on tentative bite on that from the year six girl. She wouldn't mind doing a couple of days a week um, at home. But um, I think, you know, they like to hang out with their friends, you know. I mean, we we are talking about what's important in education. I mean, it seems to me, from my perspective, of course you need to learn stuff and you need to pass exams, you know, if you want to go and get a qualification somewhere. Um, But really, success in life is, is really about basically human interaction. And I think they learn so much of that at school just by being in groups and crowds, you know, with their friends and navigating all sorts of situations of conflict and, you know, who's going to go first and what if that kid does that, all that stuff. That's really, really valuable stuff. Well, it's been so great to listen to your experience as a, uh, as a grandparent observing this. And I, I strongly suspect there are thousands of stories like this out there where people have had this chance to say, oh, wow, look, you know, this, is, this has been a really interesting time to reflect. So thank you very much for, uh, for sharing your experiences and thanks for talking with us this afternoon. Great pleasure, Colin. Thank you. You've been listening to Central Station. If you think that a friend or colleague might benefit from Peter's story, then please share this episode with them. 
To hear more interviews with inspiring educators from around Australia, make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Central. For more information, visit the website, central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Listener.